What's up, everybody? John Hoover, All Sooners, post-game podcast. Holy cow, what a game we just witnessed. Randall Sweet, Ryan Chapman, join me. We are high above Boone Pickens Stadium where uh, the Oklahoma Sooners lost again, this time 27-24. In the last Bedlam game in the history of the world, probably not, but we'll go with that for now. Guys, we talked about it in the post-game wrap-up on the field. A ton of mistakes by the offense. Missed tackles, not so much by the defense. I thought they tackled pretty well. But just you throw in special teams mistakes, another missed field goal, a, a booted punt return. This thing got ugly. It was not a good, clean game by either team, but Oklahoma State made enough plays in the end, Ryan, to uh, to win this thing. Yeah, Oklahoma State made enough plays. Oklahoma, Brent Venables is going to look at the tape from this week and last week and go, last week, Kansas didn't put Oklahoma away. This week, Oklahoma absolutely shot itself in the foot every way possible. Andrew Rame still can't snap the football on the road, it, it appears. Uh, you had a Dylan Gabriel interception. Dylan Gabriel, the best punt of the day. Uh, and basically, Oklahoma's defense, this vaunted Oklahoma State rushing attack, they shut Ollie Gordon down for an entire quarter, the third quarter. He's supposed to get better and better as the game goes on. Oklahoma's defense got better and better. The issue was... Oklahoma's offense could not do anything with the football for most of the third quarter, especially the fourth quarter, and a defense that was playing with second and third string players at most levels finally gave up a 97-yard drive in the end. Ollie Gordon punched that thing in, and uh, Oklahoma had every reason to win this game. Oklahoma is the, probably the better team, just talent-wise. But once again, game management and poor coaching and uh, some questionable offensive decisions cost the Sooners, and it's becoming a trend through 22 games of Jeff Levy as the OC. Yeah, and not just Jeff Levy, but Brent Venables owned up to some mistakes as well. Uh, he's got to be better. He's got to be better in clutch situations. Uh, the game moves fast. The game gets big at the end, and um, he, he made some errors. Randall, I love your participation in these post-game podcasts because you're down there on the field and you're able to tell us uh, how loud it was, how involved the OSU fans were. There were a lot of OU fans here today too. Thing was sold out for the most part. Uh, Tell us about what a difficult environment this was for Oklahoma to play in. I mean, as you'd expect, you know, the final bedlam at Boone Pickens, it was extremely loud. And, And for those who haven't been to Boone Pickens Stadium before, like everyone says, the fans do feel like they're right on top of you. The sidelines are really small. The, uh, the stands are kind of raised so the fans are, are up above. And it, it really is like a bowl down in there that just kind of echoes that noise. And when the Oklahoma State fans are slapping their paddles against the side of the wall and they're yelling and OU's, OU's in that side of the field where most of the Oklahoma State fans were, I can, I can see how it would be hard to hear, kind of hard to communicate. Um, again, very, very lively atmosphere. I mean, the Oklahoma State fans were yelling at at the OU players, again, as you'd expect, uh, before the game even started, uh, you know, getting after Trace Ford, some of these other guys. Uh, and again, that, that didn't stop throughout the game. That's uh, what you have to expect when you go on, on the road, especially in the final Bedlam game at Boone Pickens Stadium. And uh, I would say that the Oklahoma State fans uh, lived up to the occasion. Yeah, I thought so too. I thought it was, uh, we're, we're in this, Ryan made the observation during the game. We're in the press box. He and I are in the press box. Randall's down on the field. Ryan observed that this is might be the quietest press box just in terms of sealing you off from the outside elements and the noise and there was a flyover and we couldn't even hear the jets go by. 
so so we're out of that element a little bit, which is fine with me because that's I, I prefer the uh, great, no wind, no rain, yeah, no, great uh, working no conditions. Sunshine. Yes, absolutely. Le uh, anyone who wants to see what the stadium atmosphere looked like, especially when Oklahoma State was at a, a key point in the game, go check out the highlight video. I made sure to get a nice crowd shot, all the people waving their orange uh, towels, pom poms, whatever it was around, uh, and so you'll see see some good uh, shots of that, and you'll hear how loud that that stadium was. Yeah. Um, bottom line is Sooners lose their second in a row. Um, when's the last time that happened, right? Uh, uh, last year, that's right. I remember that. Wasn't it last year they lost two in a row? Uh, yeah, I think that I think they, that they lost, lost a, a, a couple of uh, a bunch of different things. We don't have to go back to 1998 anymore. We just go back to 2022 right. for, uh, for all the bad things. First time they lost two in a row since last year. Um, th there's, there's so much that uh, came out of this game. Uh, Ryan made mention of uh, Ollie Gordon, 139 and a half yards a game or something like that coming into today. And uh, he finished right there at 133. So his average isn't going down, but he needed 33 carries to get there. Uh, so an impressive performance, 4.2 yards per carry, impressive performance by the Oklahoma defense. Uh, how hard were those guys hitting down there? Oh, man. I mean, they were laying the wood. I mean, someone that, that we have mentioned, uh, or that we will mention, I'm sure, Kip Lewis, that guy flying around, and he is not afraid to hit someone. Even though, I mean, he might be a, a smaller uh, in weight linebacker when he gets into the hole, he is not afraid to drop his shoulder, to let Ollie Gordon, to let whoever else is down there feel uh, feel that pain whenever he comes through the hole. And, and that wasn't just him. I mean, obviously the Oklahoma State defensive linemen, those linebackers, they were flying around too. They had some big hits. I think the biggest hit of the day, honestly, was Connor Near. I mean, he just destroyed, I think it was uh, either Nixon or Brennan Presley on a uh, kick return. Um, so again, these guys were amped up, they were fired up, uh, and yeah, the, the pads were popping today. Yeah, Ollie Gordon uh, runs behind his pads, runs low and runs with power. He's six foot one, 211 pounds, and I thought uh, I wrote a story today saying he got, he dished out as much as he got. Mm -hmm. uh, he was, a, he's a punishing runner, and the Oklahoma defenses probably have, has as many bruises as he does tomorrow. Uh, but it, I thought Gavin Sawchuck got his third career start, was up to the challenge, 13 carries, 111 yards. Drake Stoops had his best game of his career. That was Sawchuck's career high, by the way. Drake Stoops, 12 catches, career high for 134 yards, career high. But Drake Stoops needed two plays. He wants two plays back. But I'll let you have it. I was going to say. You're really I, good at describing these to, things. To, to back this up really quick, Ollie Gordon averaging eight yards per carry in Big 12 play. He averaged 4.2 today. Tommy Walker was a higher average. Yep. Gavin Sawchuk was a higher average. Uh, Ollie Gordon, who is known for running through people on a fourth down, gets absolutely stoned by Trace Ford right after Kip Lewis had, had knocked him back. Uh, Robert Spears Jennings, a safety, yeah. came from the far side of the field to arm tackle Ollie Gordon from behind. All that stuff's not supposed to happen. Ollie Gordon was a fine running back today. Sawchuck and Walker were more effective when they got the ball, but as you mentioned, it was those two plays for Drake Stoops. Drake Stoops and Trayvon West are going to be forever married in Bedlam as Trayvon West had a PI that was not called against him, a clear PI in the East end zone in the 2021 Bedlam game. And this time it was Drake Stoops. He was working down the sideline. Looks like he gets kind of pushed out of bounds. He ends up making the catch that Drake Stoops wondered after the game why that wasn't reviewed because he thought he made the catch in bounds. I think he had a foot out of bounds. I think it was pretty clear. Yep. Uh, but 
It was past interference. At Should've the end of the game, uh, Brent Venables is like, yeah, I thought that was kind of the definition of past interference. Oklahoma has to settle for a field goal on that drive. One of the two, or one, the one of the two attempts, the one that Zach Schmidt made, that one cut it to uh, a one-score game. Then disaster struck as, as Oklahoma State's able to go on their drive, all that stuff. The last one, fourth and five, near midfield, Brent Venables elects not to call a timeout. If he had called a timeout at the end of the third down play, there would have been a minute and 35 left on the clock. In college football, you have to get the first down, and then you have 50 yards to go with college football's clock rules. Uh, 70 seconds was gonna be plenty of time, 80 seconds for this warp speed offense. Instead, Venables doesn't call the timeout, he lets Jeff Levy roll with it. Brindleville said he liked the play call, and the play call was a play call that infuriates me personally. Hoove has heard me gripe about this across the season. Dylan Gabriel rolls out to his left, so he's immediately cutting the field in half. Yep. He looks to Drake Stoops. He throws to Drake Stoops. After the game, Drake Stoops said it was the look that they wanted, but it was two on threes, and there were three defenders there. Drake Stoops only runs the route three yards down the field, not five yards to the sticks, three yards down the field. Fourth and five. On fourth and five, he said he wanted to spin or something like that. That did not happen. The pass is completed. It's short. No timeout was called. Uh, and basically, Jeff Levy, Amber Bittable said, well, they got to run to the sticks. That's a fifth-year senior quarterback and a sixth-year uh, senior wide receiver. After the game, talking to some of the – we didn't – we weren't in the Mike Gundy post game, but talking to those that went over there, Mike Gundy said, yeah, we knew they were going to go to Drake Soups. That's what they were looking for. How you don't burn that timeout there when a week ago not taking a timeout on fourth and six cost you the game, I do not know. And uh, once again – Jeff Levy, there was a lot of cuteness today. There weren't the jet sweep bonanza or anything like that. Uh, a lot of just boneheaded play calls, including drawing up a play where you're not even putting your guys in position to go past the stick. That should not have been left up to the players. I don't know how that happens uh, other than just being a, a mediocre offensive coordinator. I think we can say that. It, it's been 22 games. It, it feels like that would have been maybe maybe a better play call if it's fourth and two, if you have a really short yardage situation yeah, to pick fourth up. Fourth and five is a yeah, lot. A fourth and medium, a fourth and five situation that the, is baffling. So, um, Drake, like I said, had the best game of his career. Wished he had those two plays back or at least got a call on one of them. If he gets a call on one, it's first and goal at the six, uh, right? Because that was a that was at the 20-yard line, I think. I can't remember. Um, but it would have been first and goal. Sooners punch that one in. They don't need that last play. They don't need that last fourth down. So, um, uh, I'm not going to call it like a cavalcade of officiating errors, but they made mistakes for both sides. But I thought it was the count was about three to one for against Oklahoma. Didn't you guys? Am I am I reading that wrong? Uh, I I thought that the pass interference called in Oklahoma was a pass interference. I think that Brent Venables has to have a get back coach, and simply he can't put himself in a situation where I get that that's never again, called again. An Oklahoma coach gets flagged 15 yards for unsportsmanlike conduct. He was out on, on the field on a crucial drive on that a crucial that drive. put. Oklahoma State 30 yards ahead instead 97 of 97-yard drive. Two two right. straight weeks where Oklahoma has a first last week it was an unsportsman or a unnecessary roughness yeah. plus the 15-yarder that's 30 yards in one chunk. This week it's a PI plus the 15-yarder. Um, I think that referee it, like nine times out of ten probably doesn't throw that flag. So I can see where Brent Venables because he said he just asked the question and, and it, he was flagged for his positioning, but. In that moment, 
You cannot do that. Brent Venables and this coaching staff are getting sideline warnings. That's two weeks in a row. It's inexcusable. It's awful game management. I thought that one was the one that if Oklahoma's going to grab, other than the, the PI uh, that was clearly a pass interference on Drake Stoops, but Oklahoma had so many chances. They had the entire third quarter to extend this thing past a uh, four-point lead at 21-17, and they didn't do it. They shouldn't have been in a situation to be quabbling about a, a pass interference. Completely agree. So many opportunities to pull away or to shut something down, and instead you're you're uh, leaving it in the hands of the officials. That's a that's a bad way to coach football. That I, I was telling the guys down there on the field whenever we were standing there. I mean, I was saying this at halftime, and I think it is even more true after the game. Oklahoma State gave Oklahoma so many opportunities to take control of the game, to really put their foot on Oklahoma State's throat and, and run away. I mean, maybe not run away with it, but at least pull away. And it seemed like every single time Oklahoma had that opportunity, whether it was in the first half to get the lead or once they had the lead to extend the lead, Oklahoma squandered those opportunities over and over again. And it was for many different reasons. Like we said, bad play calling, coaching decisions, uh, dumb penalties, things like that. And, I mean... Brent Venable said it, Oklahoma is obviously not good enough to overcome all of those things, especially when you're playing a team like Oklahoma State, who's we've said has Ollie Gordon and stuff like that. Brent said on Tuesday, I think in response to one of my questions, if, if, I, feel, if I think something or feel a certain way, I'm going to say it. I, I'm going to tell you the truth. I thought he told us the truth a lot tonight in the postgame press conference. Yeah, it, just a lot of... Uh, continued mistakes, not good enough to do this or that. It wasn't the fight or anything like that, obviously. And yeah, it goes back to um, the offense lost Oklahoma the game today for me, but early on, it shouldn't have taken Oklahoma three or four drives to adjust to the fact that Alan Bowman was throwing a lot out of the RPO. Billy Bowman talked about that after the game, that they had saw them hit some deep shots against Cincinnati, so they were like sitting too deep. Well, all they did was let uh, Rashad Owens get into a great rhythm. He absolutely shredded Gentry Williams for the first quarter and a half. Um, Alan Bowman stinks. Like, that shouldn't have been something that, that happened. Alan Bowman's not mobile. Oklahoma didn't get any pressure on Alan Bowman, He's really. He's mobile enough to run 15 yards for a touchdown right yeah. in the middle of the Oklahoma defense. Well, Jaron Cannick got sealed on a block yep. back there, which... Alan Bowman has the weirdest throwing motion I've ever seen. Yeah, it's not clean. It's it's uh, it, it, it was just a, an absolute, uh, again, two weeks in a row, Oklahoma's put on a master class of how to, uh, Britt Midwell's talked about making the layups all preseason. Oklahoma's offense has made their offer on layups uh, through the last eight quarters of football. Oh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. It, it was, there's just on offense drops, I mean, um, Nick Anderson sticks out in my mind. There's a play where he's running down the the uh, sideline and he's got a few steps on his defender. Yep. Perfect, perfect spot by Dylan Gabriel right off the hands of Nick Anderson. And he was falling down. Yeah, I, even though I he think was he tripped alone. over himself. Tripped over himself yeah. trying to get to the uh, breakaway. The play before that, Dylan Gabriel, a slight underthrow to Jalil Farouk, where yep. Farouk had to work back. Yep. But upon seeing the replay, it wasn't this just awesome play by the DB to come and rip the ball out. He's Jalil Farouk should have caught that it, ball, yeah. too. So yeah. uh, you had issues there. You had the appearance of Dalen Smothers just I, from the clouds, yeah, a true I, freshman in a massive game. I wanted, yeah, I, I was going to say that I was going to ask about what y'all thought about the personnel decisions, too, because in that same series, not only did Dalen Smothers get in at running back, who we haven't seen all season, mm -hmm. 
J.J. Hester got in at wide receiver. I have nothing against J.J. Hester personally, but where, I mean, we haven't seen him all season, and the first time you're going to put him in the game is in a crucial spot where you're down against Oklahoma State. I mean, that doesn't make sense to me. On the same drive, Tyler Guyton split out playing wide receiver. I mean, what is going on? It doesn't make any sense. I mean, now is not, you guys talked about getting cute. Now is not the time to get cute if you're the Oklahoma coaching staff. What they were doing was working. Uh, well, I mean, partially what they were doing was working. Stick with what's working. Don't, again, get too cute and try to put a freshman running back who we haven't seen all season, a receiver who we haven't seen in two seasons at Oklahoma, yeah. and Tyler Guyton at wide receiver. It just that doesn't make sense what, to me. You may, you use the words that I think are entirely correct. Um, what was, what they were doing was working. The same thing happened when they get to the uh, about, about midfield, 50-yard line, first quarter was it late first quarter when uh, Gabriel dropped that snap except it wasn't Gabriel that dropped the snap it was Javante Barnes who was coming in motion or looked like he was yeah. turning in just as the snap was coming and it went high and everybody reached for it what the heck is going on there it's like you had gotten to that part of the field you you feel that they're establishing something uh, Sawchuck scored on the 63 yard 64 yard touchdown run the next, they come back the next drive and they're doing some things and get having some success. And what happens? They get cute, mm -hmm. drop a snap, goofing around. It looks like they're going to toss it to Drake Stoops on a reverse. It's like, I don't understand why you would do that. Everything you're doing is working fine. Yep. Another week, another rushing defense that ranked in the hundreds that looked really bad. Oklahoma finally just picked the offensive line they should have been playing with since the Texas game. Yeah. Barring McKay Tower being healthy, I I can make the concession at right guard when he was not healthy against UCF. Uh, and they're moving the ball up and down the field. They're able to pass off of that. And instead, it felt like uh, I literally joked with Bob Prisbillo and who that on NCAA 24, when the new game comes out, there needs to be a Jeff Levy mode where you're just rolling down the field and suddenly this notification pops up that says, hey, I know you just got five yards on first down, but you're actually in third and 13 because your offensive coordinator decided to roll, roll a left, uh, your, your right tackle out on the left side. Uh, it, it's just... When they ran the normal offense, Oklahoma was making Oklahoma State's defense look like the group that was struggling between the 20s all year long. Uh, and Oklahoma didn't even need, like Oklahoma State didn't need to come up with huge plays in the red zone because Oklahoma was shooting themselves in the foot left, right, and center. You had that misstep. You had Dylan Gabriel on the first drive of the second half when Oklahoma finally everything had settled. Yep. Everything had settled. They had gone into the half down 17-14, getting the ball back with the chance to come out and you go score, you're ahead and you get to dictate the terms of the entire third quarter. Dylan Gabriel just throws a, a arm punt, basically, uh, when, when Oklahoma needed a, a huge drive down 24-21. The very first snap, Andrew Rame, who still can't figure out how to snap on the road, as it, is this his third year starting? I don't understand how that's still an issue. Bill Beanbow has to figure that out. Uh, he snaps it too early for Dylan Gabriel. We saw that Dylan Gabriel was able to escape that situation in the first quarter against Texas. Was not today. The ball bounced off and rolls under. It's just inexcusable mistakes that should not be happening for any off. Like, it wasn't like you rolled uh, Smothers out there and he fumbled the ball. It's a fifth-year quarterback and a center who's played a ton of games who we're told all the time has got a great grasp of his offense all that, and he can't snap the football. And you talk about shooting yourselves in the foot. How about the drive where Oklahoma has first and five, either in the red zone or near the red zone after an Oklahoma State penalty? Then they go backwards six yards trying to do some weird Drake Stoops behind the line of scrimmage mm -hmm. play. Then there's a false start, and then all of a sudden you go 
from first and five in the red zone to I think third and thirteen, third and, and 13. that's that's the the drive I believe the drive where they end up kicking a field goal that Zach Schmidt missed. Yep. I mean, it's just that should have been a drive right there where Oklahoma gets points and they either take the lead or tie the game, and instead they come away with nothing. So you guys will be listening to this podcast or watching this podcast tomorrow at some point, uh, Sunday. We're still here in the press box on Saturday night, late Saturday night. It's 11.30. Uh, well, how long have we been here? Like 12 hours? Going on we got here at 12.30. So. Yeah, so it's getting there. Anyway, uh, we're tired and we're punchy, but uh, I wanted to go over this. Um, I'm going to be writing a story tomorrow because I asked the head coach and I asked the offensive coordinator and I asked the quarterback, a couple other people. It's week 10 of the college football season, week 9 for the Oklahoma Sooners. How are you not getting better? Oklahoma State just won its fifth game in a row after when they were 2-2, two and two, we were all saying, that team sucks. That's a terrible Oklahoma State team. Mike Gundy's worst coaching job of his career. Uh, they're in the tank. He's getting ready to retire. That team's a joke. And they've won five in a row now, including beating Oklahoma right here again. So the question is, how are you not getting better? and nobody had anything even closely resembling an answer. Uh, Here's an example. OU had four false start penalties. Three of them were by wide receivers. Wide receivers are standing way out by themselves and with their head looking in at the football. When the football moves, the wide receiver is allowed to move. They're moving. They're taking off. You had a guy lined up two yards almost off sides. Yep, was it Farouk? Farouk? Lined yes, up it a full, Farouk. at least a full yard yep. off sides. And the two guys that were supposed to be in the backfield were up on the line with him. It's like nobody's paying attention. Nobody's doing. No, you, we talked about focus and, and all, kinds of, all kinds of stuff that goes into practice. And, gee, your film study and do everything right. And how you do one thing is how you do everything. You saw it out there. How you do one thing is how you do everything. Brent Venables could take a huge, huge page out of Mike Gundy's book. And I wrote this. This will be up on the website at 6 a.m. Well, you just put your foot in your mouth with this audience. Oh, wow. I, I mean. Well, it's true. It's true. What did Mike Gundy do? Pop quiz. Mike Gundy's been coaching for 18, 19 years. He knows what to, he knows what he's doing. What did, what did Mike Gundy do after Oklahoma, start, Oklahoma State started 2-2? Two and two? He It started in Ames, and then they needed the bye week to fully internalize this. But Oklahoma State simplified everything. They said, we're going to go to one quarterback. Ollie Gordon is our best player. We're going to give him the ball about 35 times a game, literally. (laughs) We're going to simplify the blocking scheme so a not very talented offensive line can figure life out. And suddenly, Oklahoma State's won five games on the bounce. Oklahoma got past Texas. Texas is the only team on Oklahoma's schedule more talented than Oklahoma, and that's with the talent drain that came after Lincoln Riley and all that stuff and and getting your guys in, all that. What has Oklahoma done against UCF, Kansas, and Oklahoma State offensively? They're trying to run jet sweeps out the ass. They're trying to pull Tyler Guyton to the backfield. They're rolling through still every running back under the sun. Oklahoma, if they just simply looked across in this game and said, huh, keep it simple, stupid. The normal stuff they were trying to run was working today when you had a defense that showed up. Kip Lewis and Kobe McKenzie are your second string linebackers. They played damn near every snap. You're rotating Robert Spears Jennings and Peyton Bowen, Kanai Walker, Macari Vickers, Josiah Wagner. 
in the third quarter, that's all the guys that were out there. And Oklahoma's getting stopped after stop after stop. And the offense is looking around going, oh, what do we do? Jalil Farouk can't line up. Nick Anderson's not catching the football. Jalil Farouk's not catching the football downfield. Just simplify things. This team is not good enough to comprehend all the crap you're trying to throw at the wall. It's that simple. Everyone can see it. Too many RPOs. Kids are comp kids are uh, the offense is complex. Kids are simple. Kids want things simplified for them. And I say kids, they're they're 19, they're 20, they're 21 years old. But the fact of the matter is, uh, when you're when your your offensive line is is inherently naturally inborn soft because they don't know when they come up to the line and this big 300 pound defensive lineman is standing there staring at him drooling and frothing at the mouth and, and maybe there's some trash talk or maybe they're uh, cussing at him a little bit the offensive lineman walks up there and goes i don't know if this is a run or pass i don't know who i'm blocking what's the uh, play again okay so this one's going to be a run okay i got him that doesn't work that's not how football's supposed to work eddie uh, teddy Layman has said it a million times. RPO is killing college football, and you see that on the offensive line. You see the quarterbacks uh, not knowing what to do. What well, we saw it three times probably in uh, the SMU game, was it? Maybe it was one of the – yeah, I think it was the SMU game where a receiver is blocking and he throw, Dylan Gabriel throws it to him, hits him in the back. Saw that for sure once, and we've seen a variation of that two other times this season. It's just too complex. It's not – Football doesn't need to be made that hard. Uh, Kelly Gregg says, Football is a simple game made complicated by coaches. Yep. And Jeff Levy's trying to build oh a rocket ship up there in the press box. Yep. You guys touched on the Oklahoma offensive line. In the other side of the trenches, the defensive line. I thought that Oklahoma's defensive line played really well against the run today. Mm -hmm. But they had, I don't think, any sacks nope. on Alan Bowman, which is kind of ridiculous for a quarterback who's not very mobile at all. I mean, this Oklahoma defensive line, I know early in the season they didn't have huge sack numbers, but I mean, everyone, the media fans, were vaulting them as a, you know, supposedly a very fearsome defensive line. Zero sacks against a, one of the least mobile quarterbacks they'll play all season. Yeah. They only pressured him a few times, and when they did actually put pressure on him, that's when Alan Bowman could get nothing going. Uh, they just didn't get enough pressure, though. Oh, you came into this game leading the nation in tackles. They had three, I'm sorry, tackles for loss. They had three tackles for loss. They had two quarterback hurries and zero sacks. This this was a going back to the days of, uh, like, against SMU where they just max protected the whole time. Oklahoma State had a great game plan of keeping their formerly cowboy back, RIP the cowboy back. They're just back to normal <laughs> tight ends. Um, keeping a tight end in, keeping six guys in, and basically saying Rashad Owens is not 6'7", he's what, 6'1", 6'2", but he plays like yeah. he's got a massive body. He's so good at using his body to wall off the mm -hmm. defender, and they were getting soft coverage early in the, you know, the first quarter especially. So they just said, cool, max protect. Bowman's making a quick read. Oklahoma State was not trying to throw the ball 40 yards down the field. They were throwing to the sticks. Imagine that, throw to the sticks. What a <laughs> novel concept. Uh, and they just nickel and dimed a little bit that short to intermediate passing game and let Alan Bowman be be really, really efficient that way. And and you, it's just so uh, such a conundrum because what was Oklahoma's best offensive play today? For me, it was just finding Drake Stoops over the middle of the field. Like yeah. just a very basic normal thing that he has done for four years since he's really cracked the rotation. Uh, and instead, you're insisting on rolling Dalen Swillers out there, doing this, doing that. Like I, I didn't have a problem with uh, the deep shots down the field and Jill Farouk's got to catch the ball, Nick Anderson's got to stay out. Like That's not coaching. That's 
the, the coach can't go run the route for you. <laughs> but there was so much other stuff that Oklahoma was never in any kind of rhythm. I asked Brent Venables why they didn't get in rhythm. He said, oh, a bunch of stuff, all that stuff. They didn't get in rhythm because Jeff Levy, every other player was like, okay, I, I can't call the jet sweep. I think I was yelled at about the jet sweep, but I can throw Dalen Smothers out there, and I can put Tyler Guyton on the, uh, at wide receiver. It, it was just Is the, Are the subs, though, the position coach, isn't that DeMarco Murray? It, sure. I believe that's right. Yeah, the, Jeff Levy needs to go down to Marco. Hey, buddy, let's yeah. not throw the true freshman at that. Whoever it is, Demarco deserves uh, blame. All that stuff. Although I do think it is a little bit telling that one week after the total disaster was the offensive line rotation, suddenly you just have the same five guys. So what changed with Bill Beedenbow from Lawrence to now? Walter Ross is healthy. All that stuff. Uh, I I don't understand like. That had to have been game plan stuff. I don't know what they were looking at, but yeah. Sawchuck and Walker, I know that Walker was hurt, but he was really effective. Go back to Sawchuck, maybe. That's a novel idea. Bowman is a 57% passer this season. Alan Bowman, 57%. He hit 67% today, and everything was short. Little dunks, little dinks. He had a couple of deep ones that uh, just barely missed or were batted down. Um, I thought he was really good today. I thought Alan Bowman was unnecessarily good. <laughs> There's no way he should be as good uh, against this Oklahoma defense as he was. But then we look back, John Rice Plumley, Jason Bean. Jason Bean. Just average quarterbacks having an average season, and what do you do? You go against the Oklahoma defense, and you look like an all-star. Three weeks in a row now. So, uh, the OU secondary was the strength the first six games of the season. It is no longer the strength. We saw that out here today. And Gentry Williams got hurt again at the end of the game. Uh, Brent Venables didn't Shoulder seem, popped out. Yeah, Venables didn't seem too concerned, but it feels like Gentry Williams has been hurt a lot this season. Yep. Um, I mean, I know he's very physical. Every game. game. Yeah. Uh, the UCF game is only going to be finished. Yeah, I mean, and you got to be able to count on your guys uh, to, to be able to make plays like that if they're going to start. I mean, to be able to stay in the game to make mm -hmm. plays if they're going to. I mean, when you're counting on Gentry Williams as much as OU is, I mean, when he went out, a lot of that role went to true freshman Makari Vickers, who I think that's who the PI that Brent Venables yeah. uh, was yelling at the, the refs about. I think it was on him. He got targeted a few other times. I know he's a true freshman, but again, if OU is going to rely so heavily on Gentry Williams, then maybe it's time to spell him a little bit more with Makari Vickers. Um, give credit to Gundy and give credit to Casey Dunn for a game plan that was very patient. Okay, you know, they come out here and they say, okay, we know we're going to be able to run the football at some point with some consistency with Ollie Gordon. Let's chip away at the edges on this, on this secondary. Let's get the ball out quickly. Let's do a three-step. You know what they did, and Brent Venable said this. Um, again, I'm not smart enough to understand how it works, how you identify it, how you know what you're looking at, but he said almost all those passes were RPOs. Instead of, uh, instead of a, uh, a handoff to Ollie Gordon, uh, well, maybe we'll run a little play-action fake, which is actually an RPO, and we'll throw it out here to this guy. So OU had the right – I thought OU did it what they were supposed to do. If you guys read the, the stuff on the website every weekend, you'll know what I'm talking about. They, they stacked the box appropriately, not crazy. They didn't go crazy with it, but they stacked the box appropriately to, to bring up an extra safety, whatever it was, and they shut down or stopped or slowed down uh, limited Ollie Gordon. And what I said was, you can, if you do that, which you have to, you can't give up a big game to Alan Bowman, and they gave up a big game to Alan Bowman. Yeah, and I, again, a lot of that early, Billy Bowman said they were worried about the deep balls. They were sitting too deep. Then when they came up, magically, OSU's offense stopped rolling. Uh, Key Lawrence got hurt as well. So not only were you rolling with Kenai Walker or Macari Vickers or Josiah Wagner at corner, you're rolling a lot with Robert Spears Jennings and Peyton Bowen. 
uh, who Peyton Bowler I don't think is still 100% up there with uh, that. I believe it's an ankle sprain that he's been dealing with. But those guys were fine. We mentioned Robert Spears Jennings and, and the play that he made. Uh, Oklahoma's defense, and, and Andy Staples is going to say an ass nine comment again this week, I'm sure, about, oh, they should have not let a 97-yard drive. Well, Oklahoma should have been up by 18 points at a certain point if they could uh, cash in on the first drive of the second half and the multiple opportunities, the two opportunities they got, the ball back after the fourth down stop and the Billy Bowman interception set Oklahoma up with great field position. That's three possessions that they should have had. I mean, you probably, if you put 17 points on the board in those three possessions, it's 37 to 17. Game over, lights out, and you don't have to deal with the embarrassment of uh, winning 91 of 118 games in a series, but everyone gets to say, well, Oklahoma State won the last one. You know what I mean? That's what Brent Venables, Jeff Levy, everyone's going to have to wear. Uh, just an awful, awful coaching performance and a terrible, uh, specifically with, with Jeff Levy. I'd... OU's been around 50% on third down conversions all year long. They're one of the best in the country at that. They were 5 of 12 today. So 6 of 12 is about 50%, right? About that, mathematically speaking, right? I'm not good at math. I'm joking. Uh, today, the average distance to go on third down, you guys, 9.2 yards. Third and 9.2 yards is what they were facing. Um, the Gavin Sacha thing, that was a first down, 64-yard touchdown run. Um, I don't know. That's that's another situation where first and second down, Levy's not put them in, putting them in a good situation. Well, it, you notice the couple of plays that Sacha popped, right? Uh, oh, the GT counter comes back. I know. A, a, a that was concept, a beautiful thing, wasn't it? A concept that this offensive line knows how to block, a concept yeah. that Bill Beadmo knows how to coach, and then they just abandoned it and didn't go back to it. That's what I mean when Jeff Levy was trying to build a freaking rocket ship yeah. in the press box. GT counter came out on one uh, third quarter. Sawchuck is running. He picks up 15 yards. Here come the blockers. And they ran all the way out to the hash mark, and they didn't touch anybody. And he still got 15 yards because Oklahoma State sees that coming, and they freeze and say, dear God, look at those guys coming at us. Uh, and Oklahoma got away from it. It wasn't working. I don't know. I don't know. I think uh, if while we're talking about blocking, one of the <sighs> most horrendous blocking performances I've ever seen was Austin Stogner today. That was it was a dog no good it was it was really bad uh, he missed a lot of blocks um, especially I noticed it especially in the first half and then it felt like he wasn't necessarily uh, I don't know I didn't notice it as much in the second half but I can count at least three or four in the first half that he missed blocks and got his guy blown up hmm. um, and I think obviously you know that contributes I know he's not an offensive lineman per se but when he's not catching passes I mean, what is his role in this offense at that point? It's to go forward and block. And I thought that generally the past few weeks he had been blocking pretty well. Uh, so today it really surprised me because it felt like, especially the first, second quarter, every time there's a missed assignment, a uh, receiver was getting blown up on a screen behind the line of scrimmage or even the running back in the backfield. I felt like a lot of that came from his man. Which is a bummer because I thought that all of Sawchuck, uh, Javante Barnes, and Tommy Walker in the limited snaps that Barnes and Walker got uh, were really good in their yeah. portion of blitz pickup. Uh, Javante Barnes on one of the uh, the big Drake Stoops pass completions over the middle, I think it was the Stoops pass completion, uh, basically he blew up the blocker and then he turned around and like shoved him to the ground. It was to, it looked like a WWE like scripted, I'm going to hip toss you and stand over you because he, he blew him up so bad. and. You were getting that out of the running backs consistently and, and your your tight ends couldn't seal things up. Yep. Guys, let's wrap this up. 
Yes, a lot of big performances, a lot of really nice plays for Oklahoma today on offense and defense. And hey, Zach Schmidt hit a field goal, so special teams too. And that pooch punt was arguably the play of the day, except the uh, the OSU punter, Cack, hit a like a 49-yarder that hit at, at the, the one, one and rolled sideways. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Um, so what we'll do is we'll wrap up, and I want to pitch this to you guys, um, AllSooners.com. How many videos? You sent, you sent me seven. I shot three. So there's 10 videos, 11 videos, plus your highlights. Yep. Uh, sideline highlights. Check that out, AllSooners.com. We got a ton of interviews with players and the coaches, at least the uh, coordinators and the head, head coach. Um, two sidebars for me, two sidebars for him. He's got his column written tomorrow. A uh, bunch of stuff that he's done. Just get yourself to AllSooners.com. Do yourself a favor because we've even got a story tonight, breaking news that didn't have anything to do with this game, sort of. 6 p.m. kickoff for next week's game against West Virginia. If you're wondering, Sooners and Mountaineers kick off at 6 p.m. next week in Norman. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it, too. It might be cold. I'm going to have to bundle up for that one. <laughs> uh, after Kansas, I'm kind of scarred. But it's all right. We'll, we'll be ready, Nick. We'll be ready this time. No flu for you. No flu for me, hopefully. Fingers crossed. And right. we already know the Black Friday date with TCU is 11 a.m. So uh, on Monday by, at about 11, you want to be hitting that refresh button on allsooners.com because we're just waiting on the BYU game. Has the potential to get six day windowed. You can get six day windowed three times. Bedlam got windowed, West Virginia got windowed. Mm -hmm. So it could, but uh, if we're placing bets, I think that'll probably be your big 12 after dark game just because Oklahoma's now on the outside looking in. They need a lot of help to get back to Arlington. Yep. Uh, Kansas, no longer a five-way tie for first yeah, place in the uh, 12 uh, Texas and Oklahoma State, that's your one-two. They're both uh, tied with one loss in conference play. Then you've got a cavalcade. OU's got two losses. Iowa State's got two losses. Kansas's got two losses. Uh, West Virginia's got two losses because they just absolutely dominated BYU. OU has the tiebreaker Iowa State. Kansas has it over OU. So Kansas has got to lose. Uh, do they still play? No, they don't play Texas. OU needs like Kansas State to beat Kansas now. Mm -hmm. um, Oklahoma State is not going to lose another game. They play the three newbies. They're awful. Yeah. So you now yeah. suddenly need Iowa State to beat Texas. Then Oklahoma will have the tiebreaker over Iowa State and Texas. It's convoluted. The Sooners are probably not going back to the Big 12 Championship game. Yep. Not only is OU prob probably, I'll say probably three times, out of the Big 12 Championship game, but Oklahoma State tonight is in the driver's seat. They play Houston, UCF, and Cincinnati. BYU. They, they, they're they're already BYU. Yeah, they're already beat. That's right. They're yeah. the only team that's got four, all four newbies. Go figure. Anyway, we're going to get out of here. Um, shoot, what was I going to wrap up with? I forgot. Go to allsooners.com. Uh, again, go to allsooners.com. dark is going to be cold. Yep. Pro, <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. Doggone it. What was I going to wrap up with? Uh... Kickoff time set. We Kick said that. Set. West Virginia. And Brickles. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah. I, I remember. Three games left. The season is 75% done. Three games left. Two of those are on Saturdays. So we've got a, we've got a busy Friday on uh, Black Friday, but we'll have the following Saturday off. We will. We will indeed. And Brett Biddles, I think, said it best. Uh, if they play like this, this is paraphrased. This is not an exact <laughs> quote. Uh, but all three of the teams left on Oklahoma's schedule can yep. beat them if Oklahoma continues to make these mistakes. That's not a spot you want to be in. You turn the corner, you flip the calendar in November. Good coaches, great coaches have their teams peaking at this time. Mm -hmm. yep. Oklahoma's playing its worst football of the year. Championship November used to be a thing yeah. around here. Uh, it wasn't a total loss for uh, Oklahoma fans as uh, USC lost today to Washington and Caleb Williams was seen sobbing into 
someone's arms, shoulders uh, after the game. So a little bit of solace for OU fans still bitter about that thing, the way it turned out here two years ago, right? Am I right? Am I right? You be honest with yourself. You know you loved it. Guys, let's cut it loose. Thanks for watching. We appreciate it. AllSooners.com throughout, not just tonight, not just tomorrow, but all next week, previewing the West Virginia game. We'll have it all for you at AllSooners.com. For Randall Sweet, for Ryan Chapman, I'm John Hoover. See you guys.